and I'm excited to bring to you something that the Lord has spoken to me specifically for our church. I believe it's not only applicable for Lake Church, but for the church at large, uh, the body of Christ. So Ephesians chapter 1, and before we get started, I want to, uh, I want to uh, thank the church family for all of their graciousness and all the wonderful things that they did for my wife and her family during the loss of her dad. It is great to be a part of a church that cares so much and gives so much. Just really grateful. I mean, it was definitely not only spoke to my wife and I, but it spoke to everyone that was there. Her family, her mother, they began to see the difference. Amen? And it's pretty good when you can draw a contrast, you know, to what is going on. And people are drawn to the love of Jesus that you guys displayed in ministering to my family. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen? So these messages aren't going to be easy to take. It's kind of like uh, going to your physical, you know. How many enjoy a physical? A good, good working over, good physical examination. I mean, there's people that avoid physical examinations. There's some that have never went to a physical examination. Well, the Lord wants to examine us. He's examined me, and of course, I've had to do repenting and things of that nature because he talks to me about this stuff first. And uh, now he's released me to be able to release uh, what he has put forth. And uh, I believe what he is preparing us for is the next season. And uh, in his timetable, uh, as far as the culmination of him coming, amen, we look for his soon return. And uh, you can definitely see in uh, our timelines and in our uh, media that uh, the Bible is being fulfilled right before our eyes uh, prophetically uh, in, you know, the eschatology of it and things of that nature. We're seeing massive movement and the changing of emphasis is now going from west to east. And we begin to see that as very, very important uh, when it comes to the last days. <clears throat> so we're beginning to see these things come to pass. Matthew 24 is something that we're seeing come to fruition. We're beginning to see that. Uh, we're beginning to see, you know, various things that God spoke of thousands of years in advance. And uh, praise God, we're to look up for our redemption draws nigh. We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be fearful. We look up because Jesus is coming soon. Amen. So he's preparing us, preparing the body to be the body that will meet him when he returns. And it'll be a glorious church. Praise the Lord. Amen. So in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read out of the ESV, and then we're going to look at it in the message, um, um, basically the message paraphrase. But I'm going to look at verse number 20. And it's after talking about the ascension of Jesus and the great power that was displayed at his resurrection, he begins to declare that he put all things, God put all things under Jesus' feet. And gave him as head over all things, notice this next phrase, to the church. So he is the head of all things to the church. Then he begins to qualify and to qualify what exactly is the church, which is his body. The church is Christ's body on the earth. Amen. 
Now, how many believe that Jesus was the most powerful individual that ever walked the face of the earth? How many would agree with that? Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. He stood before Herod. He stood before all kinds of elite leaders in his day. He could have stood before Caesar, which was the known grand power in the earth at that time. And and there was no one that could even come to the comparison of the power of Jesus Christ. In fact, when they came to arrest him, we studied it, when they came to arrest him and he said, I am, it caused them to fall down flat on their backs because of the power that he evoked and he operated in. In fact, when he said the word I am, it raised a young man from the dead. So this is, Jesus is the ultimate powerful person that walked planet earth. Now we believe that, we know that, we, we read the gospels and we embrace that, but The power of God that was present in Jesus' physical ministry has now been transferred with no diminishment to the body of Christ on the earth. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that this resurrection life, this resurrection power that came forth, that God displayed, now he has set Jesus to where his foot is on every obstacle, every villain, every enemy, every sickness, and has made them to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now notice it says this, the fullness of him. Oh, you... You know, sometimes when we read these things, I don't think we get the full import of what he's trying to say here. He's telling you this, just as Jesus was the express image of God on the earth, the church is the express image of Jesus on the earth. Do we believe that? No, no, we don't. (laughs) Otherwise, we'd operate more. We'd see more happen. It's really unbelief, guys. It's really unbelief. We don't really believe this. Because individually, people struggle with their personal ministry to Jesus and operating in the works of Jesus. I know I struggle with it. How about you? I need to renew my mind to be able to understand those things. And collectively, you know, the church can't get unified for five minutes to do anything. You understand what I'm saying? Now, listen, we're going to turn our head and cough here today. (laughs) Because this is an examination. So we've got to talk about, you know, what, where we're at. And we've got to be honest. You know, the, the, the text that I'm going to be drawing from is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And I'm, I'm just giving a, a preliminary. I'm giving you the overture until we get to that piece. And I won't get to it today, but it talks about speaking the truth in love. Well, what's the main problem within the church today? There's no speaking the truth in love. We don't even combat each other's weaknesses. We don't even talk about each other's problems anymore. We don't confess our sins that we might be healed. There's not an honesty and a transparency within the church. And we wonder why the world is such a mess. 
Because as goes the church, so goes the world. Oh, you don't want to hear this. Because people think, well, it's the world, the world bad, the world bad, the world seeping. No, the Bible teaches that we're the gatekeepers. The reason why this stuff is rampant in the world is because there's no standard. It says where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Have we seen casting off of restraint in our culture? Have we seen cast off restraint in our nation? Well, it's because there's cast off restraint in the church. Oh, goodness gracious. I thought I'd hear crickets, but not this early. But we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to go with what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we're the gatekeepers, that we are Jesus' body upon the earth. And if Jesus' body is the most powerful entity that ever walked the earth, that doesn't mean we're going to solve all the world's problems per se, but it definitely means this, that there should be more impedance to evil in the world today than there is. We should be standing up for more, but we have silenced ourselves. We don't believe in prayer anymore. We don't believe in the power of our weapons. Are you okay? Can you say amen and help me through this? If you help me, you'll get out earlier. <laughs> amen. This is rough. This is what I had to deal with all summer long. This is what God was talking to me about. Okay? And, it, and he talked to me about it so he, I could talk to you about it. Amen? That's how pastoring works. <laughs> Amen? But he says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the most powerful entity on planet earth is not the government, is not the elitists that are trying to run our world. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ comprised of the living, walking, breathing sons and daughters of God, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, which you are right now if you are born again. Amen? Now, I like what the message paraphrase says in regards to the verse that I just read you. And so I'm going to look at this in the um, Message Bible. It says, all this energy, talking about the resurrection of the Lord, all this energy issues from Christ. Amen? We don't have a power shortage. Is Christ powerless? Does Christ short circuit? Is there something in the wiring that just isn't working right on Christ's end? No. Just as our head has the wiring that controls every fiber and every part of our body, the head has lost no power or ability. It's the body that is not being. Hello. So all this energy issued from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, I like that, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, 
no name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the last word or the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Now, here's the phrase that I want you to get a hold of. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. Now, that's kind of the complaint that we have. The world's doing this. The world's doing this. The world's doing this. God is not even centered on the world. God will not use the world to advance his purposes. Oh, come on. God doesn't use the world to advance his purposes. God uses the church. Hello. Because the church, you see, is not peripheral. What is peripheral? It is not something that is outside of our focus. To God, the church is the number one and only entity that he works through. Get a hold of that. The reason why America has not faced some of the severe things that it could have faced at this juncture is because of the church. But some of the things America's facing, some of the issues that are corrupting our culture is because of the church. Because as goes the church, so goes the world. See, the rampant and, and sexual confusion that we have in our nation is because of bad heterosexuality. Listen, when there's bad heterosexuality, then you get all these different other forms of sexuality. When people begin to behave badly and operate in sin, it opens the door for other things to come in. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, and we'll look at it here in just a moment, it says, whatever you bind on earth. Who's he talking to? Joe Biden? He's talking to the church. He says to the church, whatever you bind, whatever you loose, do we believe Jesus or not? Hello? Well, it's important for us to believe the Lord. But notice this, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. He is basically saying that we are God manifest in the earth through Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit, through the church. <clears throat> and if people are looking for God, you need to say, look no further. I am not God, but he lives on the inside of me. Amen? Okay. So notice, we'll go to Matthew 16. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So that means this, that if heaven is going to come to earth in any way, whether it's the healing of a body, whether it's the deliverance of a person who's addicted and addled, whether it's a marriage that needs healing, whether it's a person that needs to be transformed and born again, 
whether it's a person who needs to speak with other tongues and be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to come through the church. I hung out at bars and hung out with all kinds of sinners. No one spoke in tongues. Hello, people say tongues is of the devil. I never saw it in a bar. I never saw it when we were sharing the balm. We never, you know, took a puff and spoke in tongues. We never did that. But tongues is of the devil. How foolish is that? See, if heaven's going to come down, it's going to come down through Jerry. It's going to come down through our lives. Amen? Okay. And so he says, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So basically he says, you're a gateway. Okay. Now he goes on and says in this verse, and he says, and I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Okay. All right. So it's important for us to understand that. Now I want us to look at Psalm 115. I'm just setting some foundation. Psalm 115 and verse number 16. It says, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to who? Who's he give it to? That means he has it then, does it? Does he have possession of it? No. He gave it to the children of men. So that means this. The problems that are facing our nation and our world are not caused by him. It's caused by gatekeepers. Either people that are opening the door and people are people that are closing the door. Hello, somebody's getting it. Come on, are you thinking? Because that's important for us to, to, to think, amen? Now notice this, I'm giving you some scriptural background because as goes the church, so goes the world. Amen? Listen, slavery was in America because the church tolerated it. Sad. Even the old, you know, um, Constitution states clearly all men are created equal, but yet, you know, it didn't, we didn't get the clue until Lincoln, you know. But there were churches. Hello. Could that be happening today? Could we be guilty of the same things? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Rousing amen on that. This is uh, <clears> 1 <throat> Peter chapter 4, 17 through 19. It says, For it is time for judgment begin, to begin at the household of God. Notice it does not say, It's time for judgment to begin at the casino. Come on, it does not say that. Why does judgment begin at the house of God? Because everything begins at the house of God. Hello. I'm going to say something controversial. You're going to get mad at me, but it's going to be okay. But I'm going to show it through an illustration. All right? Now, 
What I have up here is a simple black table that most of you just see a black table. But on top of the table, we have something that's three cards. Okay, let's say, for instance, that you're a young person, 22 years of age, and you went to New York City for the first time. I mean, you're overwhelmed and sensory overload, all of the lights, all of the glitz, all of the glam, all of the hustle, all of the bustle, and you've got $50 in your pocket, and you've got to hold on to that $50 because that's all you've got. You're in the midst of this big city. You've got $50 in your pocket, and you're just being overtaken by all this stimuli. Everything that's around you just speaks to you about the, the glory of this world, the glory of this system that we live in. And then you find yourself walking past, and you see a group of people that seems like they're just having the time of their life. And they're laying money down and playing a game called three card. And basically, it's find the queen of diamonds. So they selected that the queen of diamonds is the card that uh, you are supposed to guess where the queen of diamonds is. And if you guess where the queen of diamonds is, you can get money. You can get your money. You can double your money. You can triple your money. I mean, it looks like a quick thing, you know. And so you're kind of enamored by it because the people around the table are yelling and having a good time and laughing. And, you know, they're even losing money and laughing about it. And you're just thinking, man, you know, something's going on here. I'm, I'm kind of interested. And so like all human beings do, we think we can figure out the game. Don't tell me you don't do this. So you watch the game several times. You watch several people go back and forth. It seems like great fun. And all of a sudden you get this thought that I can tell which of the three cards is the queen of diamonds by the back of the card. The back of the card has a certain nuance, a certain grain to it that I can tell which one is. After all, I got one out of three chances. Those are pretty good odds. Not really. <laughs> but you think they are. Because as you watch him go through there and he begins to do, and I mean, they got some fancy ways of making this stuff go around. I mean, they do all this back and forth and they're just moving the card, moving the card, moving the card. And you're sitting there watching and you say, you know, that queen of diamonds, it has a smudge on it that's different than the others. Or there might be a clipped point on it. And so you finally get the nerve to get in line because you want to double your money. Now notice, this is the last $50 you've got. You are a stranger in a strange land. There's no one looking out for you. And you come up to this game of chance thinking that you can beat the system. Am I speaking to anybody? So you go in there and he begins to mix the cards. And you just know. You follow that thing with your eyes over and over. You see it over here. You can see it. And you just swear that there's some kind of variation on the back of that card. It's going to give you hundred dollars instead of just 50 and so you make your choice and it's the jack of clubs and you lose 
all your money. The people still celebrate, but you've lost everything. You've got to call home. You've got to figure something out. You're bankrupt. But what you don't understand is that the people that were laughing and playing the game and having a good time, they're in with the dealer. They're a part of the ruse. They're a part of the grift. And that right there is the world system. Because the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are the three cards that you and I get enamored with every day of our life. And the church has been fooled being enamored with the game of chance. Now I want to share another story with you. It's found in the second chapter of the Gospel of John. If you turn over there, the second chapter of the Gospel of John. <clears throat> it says this, In the temple, Jesus found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And he says, don't you know, when he cleanses it, he cleansed that thing twice. He cleansed it at the first of his ministry. He cleansed it at the last of his ministry because it always comes back. What do the tables represent? The tables represent a system that has been established in the sacred. It's a system that doesn't need to be there, but it is in the temple. And the church over the last 20 years has been so enamored with systems, systems that, that are uh, systems that come from business, systems that come from culture, systems that come from perceived success. Because we have bought into the lie that success in church is numbers and money. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus never stated that success was numbers and money. Amen? Come on now. In fact, Jesus didn't call me to build the church. He said, I will build my church. So he builds the church. I don't build the church. Nobody in this house builds the church. Jesus is the only carpenter that builds his church with materials that walk off the job. And for the last 20 years, the church has been enamored trying to figure out the table. Because if I can figure out the table, I can fill my church. If I figure out the table, I can bring more money into the house. If I figure out the table, and so we've kind of basically given a card that kind of says, how are we doing to the world? And we've asked them to tell us what they want. And we've tried to fulfill their need instead of doing what the Word of God says for us to do. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So we've got to understand that the standard of Jesus is not properly being set. Otherwise, we wouldn't be experiencing many of the things that we're experiencing in our culture today. The answer for America's ills is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't sound persuaded. That's the response I thought I'd get. Yeah, amen. Not really. I just said that because he looked at me. <laughs> amen. Hello. We try to look at that table. We try to figure it out. Maybe if we were more inclusive. Maybe if we did this. Maybe if we were accepting of this. Maybe that would fill our churches and get people interested in the gospel. Listen, the gospel, you know, we're to be friendly, but the gospel is not a friendly message. Because someone that wants to live in sin and continue to live in rebellion to God doesn't want to hear that they're a sinner and doesn't want to hear that they need a Savior. They don't want to hear that at all. In fact, they're so enamored with their lifestyle and the way that they're living, they believe that they can save themselves. You know, nature, anytime you put something in the ground, it begins to develop a root system. You can put an old post in the ground and it'll, it'll try to do something over time. But you put a tree into the ground, it's going to start looking for a source immediately. It's going to start looking for water. Human beings are the only living organism that when planted did not look for the source. They try to find their own source and do it their own way. And that's what Jesus has to deal with. It's people trying to find their source in finances and fame and fortune and things of that nature. They're trying to find their source in that rather than the source, Jesus Christ, the living water. Amen? And it's time we change. It's time we repent. It's time we stop looking at the table and trying to figure out how to grow our church based upon what the world's doing in the temple. And we need to get rid of the table in the temple and allow the Holy Spirit to grow and to grow his church. Amen? 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 And that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Now, it gets a little rough here because we have to ask ourselves about something very, very important. And we kind of got to go back in time. And how many remember 2020? Okay, some of you are wincing because 2020 wasn't the best calendar year that we've ever went through, okay? It was the year when the pandemic started, about February, March. Actually, it started the year before, but we began to see the effects of it. And, um, and so we began to see the pandemic, okay? So the pandemic kind of divided the church, and that's what it was meant to do. You have to understand that the pandemic was meant to do something to the church. Because, the, you know, basically, <clears throat> the main deception that was being propounded during 2020 was, is the church essential? 
because um, weed stores were. You know, you could get your liquor. And, of course, you could stand in line with 15 coughing people in Walmart, and there was not a problem whatsoever. But to come to church. Hello? California's still fighting this stuff. So it tells me that there was a strategy that came in from the enemy. I'm not going to name nations or anything of that nature. We talk about that stuff in disclosure class. But, you know, what I'm saying is the enemy had a plan on how to disable the church. And the reason why the church, he needed the church disabled is because the church is the main proprietor or the only proprietor of three main things that human beings need to survive, which is faith, hope, and love. And when churches close down, those things are greatly affected. We're seeing the impact of it right now in the levels of suicide that we're seeing, the levels of mental illness that we're seeing, the lack of connectivity, and also the mass shootings, guys that are happening and the increased violence in our culture. Because of the lockdown and because of isolation, which was the true weapon used to divide and conquer, it began to affect these three very vital areas. Because if you don't have the church, you don't have true faith. If you don't have the church, you don't have true hope. If you don't have the church, you don't have true love. And so what the enemy sought to do was replace these three things. And even though we have variants of the virus still floating around and people are still experiencing, it's greatly diminished. However, the real weapon was not the virus. It was the fear it created. And there's a lot of people that are still in fear, and now they're talking monkeypox. Hello. Amen. They're talking monkeypox, and people are getting afraid about that. You don't need to be afraid. No evil shall befall thee, no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. Psalm 91 works. It does work. But when you replace fear with, you know, replace faith with fear, you can stand in that word. But if you replace your faith with fear, where can you go? Toilet paper goes off the shelves. Because after all, when you're fearful, you need a lot of toilet paper. Hello. Well, what did they do to try to replace love? Here's what happened. The lockdown began to create isolationism, which began to work on the minds and hearts of people that brought them into a place of, and we got to get some new markers here, place of anger. 
And even though the riots, we don't really have the riots right now, we don't have some of the turmoil that we had, we still got the anger. The politics have caused people to be divided and to be angry. And that's the number one thing. And that's, the, you know, most people are still operating, even in the church, they're operating in fear and they're operating in anger. But see, fear plus anger leads us to the most uh, dangerous of them all, which is despair. When you have fear and you've got anger, you've got despair. And there are people that are despairing even today, two years after the initial. Hello? But without the church, we can't get faith, we can't get hope, and we can't get love. And why is that? Is it because they're just dumb and they don't know where to get it? No, it's because the church ain't giving it. Mm. Hello. Okay, I'll, get, I'll be over in a few minutes, all right? It'll be all right. <clears throat> I don't know, but there's some people that aren't exhibiting a whole lot of faith out there. And goodness gracious, if you've talked to some people in the church, there ain't no hope. You just might as well just... Go be with Jesus. And then love. Come on, guys. See, we talk about things like cancel culture. You know, we say, oh, that cancel culture, you know, that's of the devil. The church invented it. Boy, howdy. Don't look at me so mean. It's the truth. The church invented cancel culture. We've been canceling the people out a long time. You mess up. You mess up, you're out. Especially if you're a leader. You mess up, you make a mistake, gone. Ain't going to let our kids hang around you. Ain't going to let nobody hang around you. We're like, catch it. You know, we're doing stupid stuff in the secret of our lives, but, but you know, you got exposed. You got caught, brother. I still get noses up at Walmart for something that happened 15 years ago. 15 years ago from loving church members. Oh, come on now. Can we, can we talk straight here? Cancel culture was invented in the church. It wasn't invented in the world. It wasn't invented on social media. It's invented in the church. The Bible says when someone falls into sin that we're to restore such a one in a spirit of humility and meekness. But is that happening? No, we'd rather talk about them, shame them, slam them, criticize them, gossip about them. And we're wondering why the world isn't just running in here. Come on. Come on. Let's be real. You know, I like to do imitations. I'm really good at doing imitations. I'm so good at it that my wife has, says, who is that? Every time I do it. <clears throat> but I'm going to do an imitation of somebody, some people. 
And you can, you just, you just tell me who it is. You can just name who it is. Listen, I really like you. I really think you preach real well. But you know what? If you mess up, I'm leaving. If you make one inch of doing something that's wrong or doing something that I don't like, I am going. I'm going to go to Church on the Move. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go victory. I'm going to go somewhere else because I can't have that. If you do it, I mean, if you move one inch, if I see some any trace of anything that I do not care for, I am gone. Can you guess who that is? It's you. It's me. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Is that biblical? Is anything that I said backed by the scriptures? Absolutely, it doesn't back backed by the scriptures. Cancel culture isn't of God. Even when David did the horrible thing that he did, took a man's wife and then had him killed, God showed up through a prophet to restore him. Did he get criticized? Absolutely he did. Did people think that he shouldn't be in power? Absolutely they did. But he still was a man after God's own heart. God forgave him. Why can't you? But we live in a church of selective forgiveness. We only forgive the people we like. I'm speaking the truth in love, guys. I'm telling you, we only, you know, I've heard preachers get that shaky voice and talking about God is on the highest mountain and he's in the lowest valley and I made mistakes and I did this, but God was there and he believes it for him. But he don't believe it for you. See, any time I begin to act that way, I'm looking at the table. I'm not looking at Jesus. Hello. Do like Muhammad Ali and just... Anytime he'd back off, he'd give him a few shots. Hello. Isn't that right? Selective. Come on, let's be real. <clears throat> Church should be the most loving place in the world. But let's be honest. Oh. Hello. We fight. We slander. We gossip about one another. We defy authority. And you're wondering why revival's not happening? Come on. <laughs> just forgive me. I have to laugh just to keep from going insane. If we do what we've always done, we're going to have what we always had. It's true. It's true. Someone misses, we don't pay no attention to them. Someone leaves the church, we don't. We pretend they're dead. You're dead to me. That's cancel culture. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. I said that's not what we do. If I see you in Phelps and you ain't been in church for six months or six years, I'm still going to greet you. Now, you may have a problem. Sometimes they do. They don't like me showing up and getting in their Kool-Aid. That's all right. I'm going to love on you. And that's the way every person in this house needs to do. 
Why? Because we need to get out of this anger. Well, I'm just angry with them. They'd stop coming. They'd stop. There are people that haven't come back since the pandemic happened. Should we greet them with anger? No. No. Compassion. Compassion. Love, mercy, grace. That's what we preach. That's what that book says. That's what we need to do. I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. I'm... Okay, so he, he seeks to do that. But the problem is, is that we really don't understand what the church is. So we understood what the church is. We believe in Little C Church. Little C Church is the church that I just go to to get my pick-me-up. Little C Church meets my needs. I go there because they meet my needs. They have good praise and worship, and I really like the message, and they've got good children's ministry, and they've got good youth ministry for the kids. <laughs> and that's Little C Church. And guess what? Little C Church is not essential. Because the minute monkeypox starts showing up, <laughs> that good music goes right out the window. That good preaching goes right out the window, and I ain't gonna take them to those infected kids. Because it's all about me. Little C Church is about me. It ain't about Jesus. Jesus builds his church. So the big C church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, that's the one that Jesus is building. And that's a little bit different situation because I'm no longer the consumer. Oh, you don't. I'm no longer the consumer. I'm actually a servant. I'm actually what Paul said, a love slave. And that means I show up whether I like it or not. Whoever's doing the worship, they could come up and have a juice harp, and I'll be fine with it. Hello. No matter who gets up there and preaches, if they can't preach themselves out of a wet paper sack, I'm committed, man. I'm a part of the big C church. Jesus is building his church. He's used me as a piece of, of uh, element that he has placed in this body. I'm showing up. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here till Jesus comes, till he tells me differently. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's in the you know, uh, choir. I don't care. I'm here because God put me here. I'm just shopping for churches. You don't shop for churches. Well, I'm looking for some specific things to check off my list. That's Little C Church. Little C Church. You get upset over things. There are people that have left Little C Church for very important life and death situations like they don't like the music. That's life and death to me. That's just a deal breaker. I'll stand in line at, you know, Disneyland for four hours to ride a crazy ride, but you inconvenience me one bit in that parking lot. I am gone. I am out of here.
Hello? See, Little C Church is about me and my group. You know, me and, and the Myers, we get together every Saturday, and each of us bring potluck, and we just have a good time. And we read the Bible, and then we pray, and it's just a wonderful time. I look forward to it every week. That's Little C Church. Big C Church is <clears throat> me and the Varnells, we get together. And we invite the neighbors from all the neighborhood and the people from our, from our workplaces, and we just set out to win them to Jesus. That's Big C Church. Little C Church, you can leave. Just go wrong way over at the Myers. You know, Matthew, as he often does, says something wrong. And then all of a sudden, I'm just joking. And then, and then you're gone. You're out of here. It's just <laughs> Victory. Church on the move. Come on now. I'm naming names because I'm just going to tell you, friends. You don't pick the church where you go to. Hello. Okay. All right. I don't care what you're getting paid. I don't care what woman's there or what man's there. You're going to stand before the shepherd, the great shepherd, one of these days, and he's going to ask you, where were you? Well, I was at this one. I was doing. He said, I never told you to go there. Well, they had better children's ministry over there. Well, it don't matter. Jesus said, yeah, it's his body. What would happen if your knee didn't show up today? Hello. I know this is rough, but it's the truth. Speaking the truth in love may grow up. We grow by speaking the truth in love. Nobody speaks to anybody's situation anymore. Nobody does. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be the sin police. I'm not saying that you need to be the condemnation, you know, cabal. I think what you need to do is realize that we should confess our sins one to another, that we might be healed. Now, how, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? There's people that will confess more at their bridge club than they will at the church. And there's something wrong with that. We are the sole distributors of faith, hope, and love. The Prince of Peace lives on the inside of us. His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let's start being the church. Let's stop looking at the table, trying to figure out the cards, and let's just look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and begin to start acting like him. Amen? That's just the truth. I got one last thing. Because the Lord has been talking to us about these things, he gave me direction for Lake Church. And it went against the grain of what I would normally do because I don't believe in yielding up or giving up anything that we have achieved here by him. 
But I began to pray about the future of the church and where we're at. And I would have loved to have heard where you're going to build this and you're going to, you know, and then thousands upon thousands of people are going to come in and blah, blah. Everybody wants to hear that. But that's not what I heard. I heard these words. <clears throat> one accord in one place and the Holy Ghost. Three things. Comes out of Acts chapter 2. They were all in one accord in one place and there came a mighty rushing wind. The Holy Spirit came. What he said for me to do is this. We're going to one service. And the reason why, thank you. That's very encouraging. The reason why is because he wants to do some things corporately that he cannot do divided. We have not had the, we have been in the two service or three service format for 15 years, guys. And it's because we just didn't have space. We've got space. So starting September 4th, we're going to a 10 a.m. And the Lord wants to do great things in our midst because that's what he told me. See, we need the fire from here and the fire from nine to come together. And it will increase our effectiveness. It will increase the dynamics. I believe we'll be able to get to handle more needs this way. And plus, you'll get to know other brothers and sisters that call this place their home that you have not met. Now, how long will this last? Till the Lord says different. Okay? So I'm not... I am almost of the thing that we'll build before we do another two. Because God just collectively wants to do something corporately in our midst. There shouldn't be a 30-minute gap that keeps the Spirit of God from moving in one and not in the other. Amen? It's going to cause our band to be more refreshed. It's going to cause me to be more refreshed. I'm getting old. It's going to invigorate our children's ministry and our youth ministries. And it will enable a lot of people to get much-needed rest and recuperation. Because we have school. We've got Sunday night school. We've got Wednesday night Bible study. If you want to do something in regards to this church, almost every night of the week you can find something. So it just makes sense. Of course, I'm not doing it because it makes sense. I'm doing it because God told me to do it. Because if you know me, I resist Going, in fact, when COVID hit and we had low numbers, are we going to go to one service? I said, no, we're not. <laughs> victory and victory. We'll fight, fight, fight. Well, the Lord had to tell me. He said, let's go to 10 o'clock, okay? And we'll have plenty of time to do what God wants us to do. Amen. Is that okay? Yes. We all right with that? Okay. All right. I pray that you will transition with us. I want you to. We're going to have some really good stuff at 9 a.m. We'll have some Sunday school type things that we'll be looking at doing. There's going to be a lot of different things. 
but I just sense one accord in one place. That's what he told me in the Holy Ghost. And so I want more of the Holy Ghost. How about you? Amen. Amen? So I encourage you, uh, 10 a.m. starting September 4th. Amen? Now, if you need to be born again, you need to rededicate your life, you need to um, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we've got ministers that are going to be up here to pray with you. Amen? So let's pray. And we're going to continue this series. We're going to talk about some important subject. I, 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 we're going to talk about money next week. So you might plan on going somewhere else. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm letting you know ahead of time. Um, there's a lot of falsehood about churches and money. There's a lot of falsehood. We've got to talk about it. Listen, we talked about COVID, didn't we? We talked about, Hello. Little C Church, Big C Church. Big C Church shows up. Little C Church says, ah, I don't know that I need this. But we've also got to talk about very important things, okay? All right? Father, we just give you praise and thank you that you are examining us and you're moving and revealing to us just things that we need to make simple adjustments to. I just give you praise that as I've repented, I know that many here will repent as well of anything that the Holy Spirit brings to their remembrance and the adjustments that they might make. I just pray for the power of a transformed mind in Jesus' name so that we can be the church that you died for and we just thank you for it in Jesus' name.